less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. We are recording. Well, good morning, Lori. Good morning. I, I, I have been thinking about that line for the past couple of days. Good like, morning. Good morning, Glory. Have you ever heard that saying? Oh, no. <laughs> that. Well, good morning, Lori. Is that a is that a young person song? No, I don't. I feel like it's a saying. I don't. Maybe I'm. Good morning, Glory. I don't know. I, it, when you run it all together, it just. Good morning, Glory. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How are you? I'm great. Well, I'm thanks good. for being here. Yeah. Uh, big drive from now Newcastle. 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 Not, not too yeah. far. No. You? Actually, you can get on the turnpike. It's super fast. So. Yeah, but awesome. it costs ninety cents, right? <laughs> I have a pie pass. Oh, oh, there you go. Oh, that's one of the. Now we're getting into yeah, it. Yeah, now we're into bookkeeping and financial <laughs> decisions. That quick it's not really money if you swipe a debit card. Yeah. Or a pie pass. Charge your account. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I, we're really excited to talk to you about bookkeeping, but uh, we also want to know a little bit of your background and who you are. So let's maybe start with that. Just give us a. You know, how did you get into this industry? Where are you from? Yeah. I want to preface it by saying Lori is an accountant, but she also is a contractor because yep. you work on a contract basis. So yep. sure, yep. sure. So I grew up in Newcastle, Oklahoma, which is where I live now, as we said a while ago. And um, I went to Oklahoma Christian University, graduated in 2006 and started at Grant Thornton, which is a large public that accounting firm. That was a big firm. five or whatever. Or yeah, they're like actually right under that, okay. but they're, they're, the they're a national yeah. firm for sure. So I started there as an auditor, and um, for anybody that's uh, looking to get into accounting, an auditor is a great way to uh, learn things through a fire hose, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, basically, you, you talk to a lot of the upper level people, and you have to act like you know what you're talking about when you really don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. And so you're kind of forced into learning it very quickly. So I was an auditor for about uh, four, a little over four years, and then I went and worked as a treasury director at an insurance company, and then um, still didn't have my CPA at that point. I was still floundering around with the CPA exam, and um, anyway, ended up as the um, CFO at an electrical contracting company, oh, and nice. while I was there, I um, got my CPA license, and I actually started out... Uh, when I decided I was gonna leave there after I got my CPA, I, I thought, oh, well, I'll just go start my own business and work part-time, right? <laughs> you guys can't see me quoting part-time. We need you, a button uh, for that, I Ethan. know. <laughs> we do a lot of air quotes. <laughs> so when you work uh, part-time in your own business, it never actually works out, let's be real. Yeah. Um, especially if you want your business to grow. And as I do. So anyway, I started my own business and um, passed the CPA in 2017 and started um, Zeal Accounting Solutions uh, in the summer of 2017. Had, uh, while well, I was pregnant, mind you, had my little boy in 2018, at the beginning of 2018. So the first year and a half was a little bit of a whirlwind mm -hmm. um, in business and been going strong ever since. 2019 was a great year. and. You know, just rocking along. So. And what do you uh, specialize in? I, I like to tell people there are lots of different kinds of accountants. You mentioned one, auditing, tax, forensic accountants. Sure. Uh, what, how do you, what do you specialize in? So um, I, I compare, people don't look at it like this, but I compare accountants to attorneys in the sense that I'm not going to have my contract attorney, my, my, if I'm in construction and I have a, 
an attorney that does construction type right. law, I'm not going to have him go do my divorce, right? Because right. he's not going to know the law. And because you're not going to get a divorce. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Two reasons. Okay. True, true. But just as a comparison, um, attorneys know different types of law. So I compare that to accountants in the sense that, you know, um, at Grant Thornton, we had a true audit department. And as an audit department, we did not do taxes. We had a tax department. And so you have your auditors, you have your tax accountants. I'm kind of, um, I found kind of a niche in an area of um, managerial accounting. Um, I feel mm. like that uh, there's not, I don't see, you know, anytime you mention CPA, I'm a CPA, yeah. um, they automatically think, oh, you do taxes. And I always tell people, I don't even do my own taxes. I'm a CPA that does not do tax, don't <laughs> do her own taxes. So um, I, I really specialize and have found a niche in helping you know small business owners uh, get a handle on their books and help them uh, better manage their business through their their books. Yeah. So how did why did you niche into managerial? Like I know that you were in the audit department and those kinds of things, but why did you choose that? <laughs> so basically, what happened is it kind of I mean people say this right it kind of chose me I guess. Yeah. Um, when I was an auditor, I did a lot of nonprofit uh, mm -hmm. uh, organizations that we had to do audits for. For a lot of their funding, they would have to have an audit done. Well, let's actually back up. What is an audit? Okay. Give me an idea of what that sure, is. Sure, sure. So an audit is basically, and I so I learned so much in auditing, and I tell anybody go be an audit, any accountant go be an auditor. Mm -hmm. But the auditor, the reason I hate, I didn't mind the work, but I hated the job because you're that person no one wants to see, right? The auditor is yeah. the person that goes in and basically I would go in, I would ask for all of this information. They would have to spend hours and hours and hours putting all this information together for me so mm -hmm. that I could put together the information and my partner at the firm could sign off and say, yep, everything looks okay. So for me, it wasn't as an auditor, that particular role, it wasn't rewarding because I didn't, I felt like I was just a pain in the butt. Like nobody wants to see their auditor. And so, um, I left auditing for that reason, but the reason I say managerial accounting chose me is while I was an auditor, I was doing audits, so looking over the books for a lot of nonprofit companies. Yeah. And these nonprofits, um, inevitably, as a nonprofit, you know, you go, you don't have a lot of money. Every nonprofit yeah. always needs more money, and so in accounting, most of these nonprofits they just don't have great accounting people in there. So when we would go to do audits, I would end up fixing their books before I could audit their books, which is not how it's supposed to you, work. You fix their books? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I bet you can get a lot of it. <laughs> so anyway, and, and that was, and I really found like uh, my partners ended up sending me to a lot of the nonprofits because I was the one that would get in and kind of get my hands dirty and help them get it cleaned up. And when I left uh, auditing and I went to the insurance company, I walked into a company that didn't have uh, their cash accounts. And I was the over treasury. And they had, I don't even remember, like 20 bank accounts. And the 20 bank accounts were at like 10 different banks. They were It was complete chaos, a very political organization, but it was complete chaos. And they needed somebody to come in and clean it up. And so I came in and I cleaned it up. And at the electrical contracting company, when I went there, they were a $60 million company mm -hmm. at the time that I started with them. And um, they were running their $60 million in sales company out of Excel, basically. Oof. They had QuickBooks, but they were 
doing all of these things out of out of Excel. And and it, and I got in there and I was there for about four and a half years and I started as the controller and they struggled uh, financially and ended up having to let go of the CFO. And so I ended up in that role. And, um, and it just kind of, in every place that I went, it became this, this niche, so to speak, of mm-hmm. me helping people <laughs> clean up their books yeah. and get their records straight. And, and it kind of just, and when I started my business, that wasn't necessarily exactly what I wanted, what I thought I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. literally, it's just in every stage, it's just found me. Right. Because I'm that person that will come in and, you know. You know what? Gee whiz fact real quickly, since you mentioned audit, that's uh, audit is a Latin word and it means to hear or to listen. Mm-hmm. And we use the word audit because kings uh, in the 1200s to the 1700s were illiterate, uh, as are most people in financial matters. Mm-hmm. So they had an audit where they had courtiers come in and just read aloud everything they owned and everything they owed. And that's where the term came from and that's why we still call it an audit. Although do you we don't have courtiers anymore. Why do you know this? Well, we just keep going. Our, we started with John Hill that we're creating in Argo so that everybody who listens is going to pick up all this cool vocabulary. Yeah. No, we, we can go on and on, but I want this to be about Lori, but we at some point need to talk about the vocabulary of bookkeeping and what debit means, what credit means, what journal means, what ledger means, what fiscal means. Uh, I think you've already lost everybody, yeah. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> now lost that them all. everybody's completely overwhelmed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we can cut that out, right? You think? <laughs> no, yeah. we'll leave no, it. Because uh, I'm that, bringing that us back. I want to be the savior here and bring us back. Yeah. To well, that's that we how understand. we set it up ahead of time. <laughs> I'm going to lead us astray and you bring I'm us just back. just kidding. Okay, so obviously there are, you know, you talked about all these different roles you've held. How many, there was like audit departments. These things obviously are important that people are pouring energy and money and resources into time. Why do books matter for the average small business or the average contractor in general? Why, why do they matter? There's so many reasons. I mean, reasons that clients will call me. Um, I have a couple different ones I'm working on right now. They need bonding. They're construction companies. They need bonding. And the bonding company, when you're small, a lot of times, you know, they'll get a few financial things, but they don't have financial statements. Mm-hmm. And the bonding company will, will bond them for a little while. And then as they grow and their jobs get bigger, the bonding company's like, okay, no more. Like, I have to see a financial statement. Mm. Um, a lot of times bankers, you know, bankers don't yep. want to lend you money if you don't have financial statements. But there's so many more reasons. Yeah, like the corona, the, during coronavirus, the sure. PPE money, if you wanted to receive yeah. that. People who didn't get, or didn't get EIDL money because yeah. of bad financial. Yeah. There's there's so many reasons, um, and and not just that, but just managing your business. How I mean, I cannot tell you the number of businesses of the electrical contracting company. You know, they had major major issues with cash flow. I called it the the dance we used to do when you know we had all these vendors we needed to pay and couldn't pay them, and we would dance around. And my a lot uh, of contractors are familiar with yeah, sure, and like all of them, yeah, and so. you know, just from a cash flow perspective of, of where did your money go? What's happening to it? How can we back off of that? You know, where yeah. can we save money? Where can we? And if you don't have those numbers to work with, it makes making those decisions and deciding, you know, what is best for your company and what's the best moves to make to help you grow. Uh, it just makes that extremely difficult. One reason that you and I get along so well is uh, we're both nice people. But <laughs> the, the point I like to make to people in that regard is that most businesses I encounter look at their books as a matter of paying taxes. That's why you keep them. It doesn't really matter if they're current today, but anyway, they're rearward looking. 
Yep. Uh, so that you can pay taxes, so you can pay your partners or whatever. That is not the highest and best use of books. You, we have to have that because right. you have to pay your taxes. Right. Sure, to, sure. But the highest and best use of books is looking forward to make decisions about the future. Sure. And I think that's what you were talking about. Sure. And not just looking forward. You know, a lot of people, it, it makes me chuckle sometimes, but, you know, they talk about, oh, yeah, my, my tax accountant gives me financials, quote again, in my air quotes, financials every, every, every year. Yeah, in September for yeah. last year. <laughs> yeah. 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 And first of all, the, the financials that your tax accountant is giving you, you know, they're not what you would use to manage your business Thank by. You. Exactly. How, um, are, how are they different? So one of the biggest things is, you know, a tax accountant, when they're trying to prepare your financials, they're pe- preparing it specifically to do your taxes. And mm-hmm. most people do their taxes on a cash basis. And so they're... Go, go ahead. We'll have to make a distinction what cash basis Yeah. Is. So cash basis is just what comes into your bank account and what goes out of your bank account. And that's what your taxes are typically done by. I mean, how many people, most business owners do not have financial statements. So they just hand their bank statements to their tax accountant and their tax accountant just looks on their bank statements and says, okay, they made this much, they made this much in revenue and they have this many expenses. And as a business owner, you know, you need to know, you know, who still owes you? What do you owe? Mm -hmm. What loans do you have outstanding? You know, I've seen uh, books where a tax accountant put loan payments into fixed assets because frankly, they just don't care. They're gonna use the, the interest statement that you got from your bank to put that as your interest expense. And so it just, it doesn't matter to them. So for, from a tax accountant's perspective, they're after one goal. How much money did you make so that we know how on many, the, how on much- On cash basis. Yep, yep, so that we know how much money that you need to pay in taxes. Right. And um, accrual basis managerial type financials uh, give you so much more information that you're just not going to get from a tax cash basis type uh, financial statement and uh, just let's explain really quick accrual and then i do want to go back a little bit okay so what is accrual accounting so accrual accounting is basically just um it's that who owes you what you owe kind of accounting and and it it helps you you know one of the the main principles in in accrual based accounting is matching so um in a specific period you know what specifically did you earn and what expenses were related to what you earned so in in a month's period i don't care what went through the bank account what i care is what i earned in other words i may not have been paid the cash for that yet and i may not have paid my vendors for that yet yeah. But I still earned it, and I still, still incurred those expenses. Right. So accrual-based accounting is basically telling you where you are outside of just what went through your bank account. I like to say accrual-based records transactions when they happen, whether or not you were paid. Right. A cash basis ignores everything until you pay somebody or somebody pays you. Yeah. And there's a for the vast majority of companies, there's a big difference between Yeah, and the two. let's just give some examples of what that looks like practically. Like you do a job for someone as a contractor and they haven't paid you for 90 days. Sure. Accrual is going to take that into account. It'll cash. say that you're owed that money. It says that you have some receivables and a cash basis won't even take that into yeah, account. Yeah, didn't, didn't ever happen. I mean, a perfect example in my mind, you know, the bigger these construction companies get, particularly the harder it is to manage all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you get into uh, working for a, G- a GC, for instance, a general contractor, 
And, um, you know, a lot of those GCs, you bill them on the 20th of the month. Mm -hmm. And you're you're probably not going to get paid for that for at least 60 days and often 90 or 120. And sometimes or, two years. Right. The well, the retainage for sure is two years. And so how do you know as a contractor, you know, that's working and doing those large jobs, did I make money or did I not make money? Like, how can you tell? Because you're, you know, you incur those costs. And if you don't get paid, you know, if I finish, say I finish the job in 60 days, you know, like Martin said, your retainage you may not get for two years. Well, that's part of the money that you earn during that initial 60 days, but that's not going to come through your bank account right. for two years or whatever. So you don't know if you made money on that project or you didn't make money on, on that project from a cash perspective. So it, it's, um, it, it's just a... Uh, and one thing is this all sent, people can relate to it, they get it, but they're also saying, oh my God, I don't know how to keep track of all that. And you're talking about matching this and matching that. Yeah. One of the things I'd like to point out is if your books are done correctly, you don't have to worry about that. Just right. do your books correctly. Sure. And not you, Mr. or Mrs. Contractor. Your bookkeeper just does it right. Yep according to common procedures, yep. and you will get the correct answer. I mean, basically what you do is you just, um, you're, you create invoices to your, to your mm -hmm. general contractor. Right. Um, so you do those monthly, right? So you have your monthly invoices that you create to your general contractor, but then all of your bills that come in that month, like you have to enter those bills into the system, whether you're going to pay them or not. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, a construction company I'm working with right now and um, it's incredible they're they're incredible what they've been able to like the processes not no no true accountants on staff for them um, some really great people but just not accounting backgrounds right and the um, manual processes that they've put into place literally on yellow pads trying to recreate it's what's already out it's there it's incredible and they didn't have you know we came in uh, we actually started in 2018 we started at the beginning of the year with them and they want to go back to 2018 and um, they put I mean this is a you know seven million eight million dollar company mm -hmm. um, in sales top level sales a year and uh, literally they went back and put every single every invoice every every single thing in QuickBooks um, but what was incredible is they were using yellow sheets and they would put an invoice and then yellow sheet meaning paper yellow paper yeah. like yellow like a yellow we don't have an air we're not running the air quote button but we have the yellow the yeah yellow I'm putting up my yellow pad on my but literally they had a yellow piece of paper and they put their invoice that they build and then as they got invoice the uh, bills from their uh, subs or from materials and things like that they'd put it behind it and they were trying to keep track on their yellow pad you know what, what i just i love this stuff i mean i, yeah. Lori, I know you know that I, uh -huh. that I love this stuff your your electrical contractor with the excel spreadsheet right mm -hmm. what they're trying to do instinctively is recreate books right and they're trying to reinvent them sure and the point i love to make and that i make in my book the profit problem is Another Books. plug. Another <laughs> plug. It's to be in the show notes. Available on Amazon or anywhere where you can buy books. No, the books as we know them today, double entry bookkeeping, has been around since the year 1200. Yeah. And it is unchanged. We keep them on computers rather than Bob Cratchit posting in ledgers in the Christmas, whatever that story was. But they are unchanged. And people's natural instincts are, oh, I've got to do this, so I'll make a spreadsheet with column, but they can't put it together. Just 
just buy into it. Two conventional books that's been around for what is that? Eight, seven hundred, nine, what is it? Eight hundred years. Can't do math, and you're talking about books. Yeah, I can't. I can't talk about books. <laughs> anyway, I did. I just love it. And your examples of the yellow sheet and the Excel spreadsheet, and just cash basis, because basically that's like using the bank statements as your books. Yeah. People instinctively know yeah. that this really doesn't tell me anything. Well, and it's our segment with the fire truck, so yeah, I want to go back. <laughs> I want to go back to, um, you know, just kind of the. The thinking that business owners go through and you know you talk about this managerial accounting what prompts people to even want to have a conversation with you about managerial accounting what, at what point does a contractor say like i've got to talk to zeal accounting solutions and i've got to talk to lori yeah so it's it's a lot of things um you know like i mentioned you know i have a couple of clients right now that basically they're i i have an insurance broker that um i'm good friends with and he sure. refers tons of clients to me and he just gets to a point with them where he's like, guys, like you guys are getting to a point where I can't bond you anymore. Right. And so they'll call me. Um, people that are just struggling in general with, um, you know, gosh, how do I get to that next step in my business? How do I, um, I, I want this to grow. I want this mm-hmm. to be where I'm not working 70 hours a week. I want this to be, you know, how do I, what do I do to get to a point where I can, I can grow my business without killing myself you know what how do i know what to change next how do i know what to fix how do i know if i can afford yeah i know where my cash Mm is and and so there's just so many things i um a lot of uh, um a lot of lenders will want Mm -hmm. you know financial statements um but you know the managerial side usually it's just frustrated business owners business owners that are just like oh i work so hard and i feel like i'm not getting anywhere but i don't know where to turn to get to to make it better yeah in your experience do you the businesses you come across do the owners know if they make money um all of them think they make money (laughs) (laughs) um it's very interesting i sat with a new client yesterday and and he looks at me and he goes well he said i'm pretty sure my income statement's right but i'm a balance sheet yeah and and it makes me laugh every single time because what they don't understand is if your balance sheet's not right your income statement is inevitably incorrect and um and you can i get it you know most people are i can get close i can get close but if but you know close is not not it they're they're running off of estimates in their head of accounts receivable payables and cash in the bank yeah that they're mentally running off of that yeah. And honestly, it's incredible the amount of business owners. I mean, just like the guy with the yellow pad. I mean, the things that people can do without financials is incredible. Yeah. But it just, when you have financials and you, you learn about them and you learn what they mean and you learn what they're t- trying to tell you and how many mm-hmm. ways they can help you, it just makes your life so much easier and it clears your head. <laughs> well, you don't have to try to drive around thinking about it. You've actually right. got it. You can go look. Yeah. And you can go look in the morning. Yeah. Well, I think for a lot of these contractors, you know, our, our um, tagline here is less stress, more time, more money. Right. And I think those, whenever they're dealing with stress, with yeah. no time, with no money, that's probably when they are coming to you. And it sounds like, for me, it kind of separates into two categories of really either confusion and frustration mm-hmm. or just a barrier. Right. right. So yeah. barrier being like not being able to get bonded, yeah. not being able to get financing. Right. They run into a hurdle and that's when they come to you sure. or they're just up 
to their head with it and they're just like, all right, I can't do this anymore. I've got to talk to somebody. Right. So when you do run into a situation that is like that, where they either have a frustration or confusion or they're coming into a barrier, what are the things that you mo- see most often when you jump into their books? You, I mean, we've talked about they're doing things cash basis, accrual basis, but what are the big errors that you see in their books from a layman's terms even, from the contractor's terms, yeah. not the accountant's terms? So a lot of time, one of the biggest, and this is what I tell people, um, one of the biggest things, it's incredible, you know, you think of even your own bank account, your personal bank account, out mm-hmm. of out of outside of a business. Mm-hmm. Nobody reconciles their checkbooks anymore. Nobody does it. Right. Um, as a, I mean, in, and I'll be brutally honest, even me, like personally, I, I do I do it because I have to do it for my taxes, but I don't do it regularly, right? Mm, sure. Um, and I think in general, even in business, you know, as you get into business. Um, you're going to treat your finances in your business a lot like you treat your personal finances, right? Mm-hmm. And if we're not reconciling in our personal finances, most of the time you're probably why, not why reconciling. Why does reconciling your... matter? Well, just what, for... what is reconciling? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just reconciling is just very basic. I mean, you have your bank account and you get your statement from your bank and you want to make sure that what you show on your records matches what your bank is showing on their records. And why it's so important is because, I mean, you just, there's so much, so many things you miss if you don't reconcile. And you don't even realize that you're missing it. Um, it it's it's incredible. Um, my dad had a, a lady working for him at one point. And He's she, in construction. My dad's in construction. Yeah. He's in demolition. And um, he had a lady working for him in his business. And my dad, bless his heart, he's very old school. And um, he would get a paper report of some sort every week from her that supposedly showed his checking account balances and where he was and all this stuff. And I went in and he was going to get audited. So I went in to just look over everything before his auditor came in. And this lady hadn't been reconciling his books in over a year. And she missed all kinds of things. And because he wasn't in his books, he just relied on this piece of paper he got from her. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he didn't even know what he was missing. And you just miss so many things, and you can't keep it all in your head. You can't do it all in your head. There's too many, too many details. And so the biggest thing I see when I go into clients is they just don't reconcile with their cash. And if they, yeah. and a lot of them, I've seen sons of businesses that you go into and they say they reconcile their cash, and then when I start looking at it, plugged a number. Yeah, <laughs> they put a number in there just, and I don't even know what they. I mean, it does. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but. Yeah. But, you know, and and so I would say that if I go into a company and their cash is reconciled, we are leaps and bounds ahead Mm -hmm. of most other companies. Yeah. And I I think really two points that I want to make here is it's honestly just like any other thing in their business. They may say they have a system, but it's usually not really a system. It's they've got it in their head. It's not written down. Sure. It's not actually there that somebody completely unaware of what their business is and how it works can step in and actually go do it. Yeah. Same thing with the books. It's not, it's in their head. Mm-hmm. It's not written down. It's not clear. And it's not, you know, written in a way that anybody can understand it. Sure. The net, the, the next thing that is that what you just spoke about has already given so much more stress to a lot of contractors. Sure. And that's another point that they need to delegate that. That's the exact reason why someone hires you is because they don't need to understand how to do that. 
Right. They just need to know that it's important. Well, and, and, and how to use it. Sure. Right. And, yeah. And all those details. I mean, just I'm I'm an organization freak, right? So mm-hmm. I keep a part of being an accountant. In my opinion, is you are keeping people's records organized. You're keeping things organized. I'm a detail. I'm always into the details. And so many people, especially contractors, you know, they're into the details of what they're doing and their business. And they don't have time to be into the nitty gritty details of all of these little numbers. They need to see a financial that shows them a big picture so that they know how to better manage. Mm -hmm. But all of those details, it's so easy to get overwhelmed by all of those details. And that's why, I mean, it is like if you have um, either someone on staff or someone you know, and a, and a trusted accountant that you can and can ha- uh, hire to do it is it just takes so much off of your plate for, as a contractor. Yeah, the point we've made in prior episodes is that even if you chose to do it, you wouldn't be very good at it. Right. I mean, I mean, you got a CPA took what four years and then eight years of experience, yeah. and you begin. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to it. If you want to quit contracting, and be a CPA. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a different animal in itself. And there's a reason that you, I mean, there's a reason I don't, I pay for a tax accountant because all of the rules and regulations, I can't do that myself. I mean, I'm just not in those details all the time. Just like, you know, uh, I have mul- you know, multiple concrete companies. They're pouring concrete. My dad, I, you know, I grew up, my dad poured concrete uh, before he started his demolition business. And, and his expert, he can pour concrete. He can tell you all the ins and outs and all the details of all of that. I couldn't pour a square, a one foot square if I wanted to, because I don't know that business. And, and so, uh, you know, getting overwhelmed in, in accounting and trying to do all of it yourself would be no different than me trying to go pour concrete. You know, you know there's your specialty and what you do is what you specialize in. And this is a whole nother animal that that people can't fully be expected to, to do on their own. Right. So. Excellent. Well, um, as we, you know, talk about the importance of books and why it matters, I think, you know, what we generally come to the conclusion is that a lot of contractors shouldn't be doing their books. And what they need to do is hire someone like you. But, you know, we've got contractors all across the nation that are listening, across the world. They're not really always going to be able to get in contact directly with you, although we do recommend that. (laughs) But if they're looking to find a good accountant, good managerial accountant, not just tax accountant, what are they what are they looking for? How do they recognize a good one? What what suggestions do you have for them? Like questions they should be asking to qualify someone, what they should be looking for. Sure. So I would say that um, most of the time, you should be talking to your accountant at least once a month. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you that most, and, and you should be getting questions, you should be, so as an accountant, I can't truly properly account for your books um, if I don't understand your business and if yeah. I don't understand what goes, and so I tell people all the time, I ask all sorts of questions you know, in, in the process of learning someone's business and in the process of helping someone yeah. get their books cleaned up. and. You know, sometimes I feel like they're like, God, this girl, she's so nosy. (laughs) But honestly, I have to understand the full picture of Mm -hmm. what you're trying to do in your business so that I can know how to properly account for what you're trying to do in your business. Um, And so as far as um, finding a good, what I would call a good accountant, um, the first thing I would tell people is... um, you know, kind of like I mentioned in the beginning, a tax accountant is completely different than someone who is trying to create 
man- books that you yeah. can manage your business. It's okay to call them cost accountants with people. Tax, tax. No, no, the tax accountants. Managerial cost accountant. Managerial or cost. Yeah, I mean. In those, other words, what, what words should they use when they say, I'm looking for a blank accountant? Meaning I would, yeah, a cost accountant would be okay. Um, I would say, I mean, I, I just would venture to say that having your tax accountant do your books is, is not what you need to manage your mm. business. Um, your tax accountant is, is, they have all sorts of tax deadlines they're trying to meet. They have all sorts of, you know, they're They have a different tax, purpose. They have an absolutely and different, different goals. Purpose. And, and even a lot of tax accountants, you know, I have clients that, that want to do tax planning. And so what I tell them to do is talk to me and then let's get together with your tax accountant and we can work together to come up with your you know what would be best for your taxes but yeah. it's just two different types of of accounts so it's when, almost it's almost like for a contractor getting the architect together with the engineer with the gc yes so that you can all yeah. talk about what's realistic you know where the architect may want to do something crazy and then the engineer's like hey but we got to worry about this going on the gc's yes. like we're actually that's going to cost way too much for the budget whatever it is it's basically getting all the different minds together in one room to make the best decision for the business, not just the best decision for the tax person or, or the tax accountant or the cost accountant or whatever it is. Sure. I, and I, so I guess when you're, when you're looking for someone, I think, you know, you need to look to someone that, that you know you can talk to easily. You know, you have accountants have this stigma of being, you know, the, the bean counter with the, the pocket protector that sits in the corner. Hey, like my aunt said, where there's a stereotype, there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if if you have someone like that, more than likely that's not the person that you're going to want to help you with your managerial books. I mean, there's always exceptions, but you need someone that you're going to be able to openly communicate with and talk about your business with and that you feel comfortable. I mean, let's be real, as an accountant, you know things about people that most people don't know about yeah, that. I mean, you see right, you see saying. all and money's sorts a really of personal topic a lot huge, of times. Huge. Yeah. So you need someone that you can have open discussions about those things. And, you know, hey, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about doing this. How would you approach it? Um, so so really it's just that open communication is huge. And then just um, understanding that there's a huge difference between a tax accountant and a, a cost or a managerial accountant. I have in my book, I've got a list of questions to ask. Mm-hmm. The profit problem available in the show notes. <laughs> And one of the things I start out with is, and it's obvious in you, Lori, you like this. Yeah. And I think that is a huge attribute that that your accountant, your managerial accountant likes doing that. Yeah, it's a And enjoys giving you insights. Did you realize what your break-even is? Do you know how much you have to sell every month before you begin to make a profit? Do you know how to plan for your cash? Do you know where your cash went? Do you know why you made money but don't have any? An accountant who likes that? And it would let me as a contractor work on my job and then when we meet. Right. And, and also what you guys were talking about, where you want to get together and meet with your tax accountant, your cost accountant, yourself, and maybe your partners, and people driving around going, yeah, right. You know, I plan to do that every year, and I never do because, well, if your books are in order, it's not that big right. a deal. Yeah. Well, and if you're regularly communicating with your managerial accountant, right. they can guide you in Mm -hmm. what direction you need to go as far as, you know, and and the questions, you know, when we send questions to clients, you know, we're continuously asking 
um, questions, you know, hey, how, what was this transaction? What did you do here? And and so if you have someone that's that's doing that on a regular basis, um, mm-hmm. most tax accountants that I see, I mean, you talk to them once a year, twice a year at best, right? Yeah. That's just not enough. And um, and and like I and, and they don't need to necessarily talk to you more than that because, like I said, they're preparing your books for your tax return and they right. do the tax return once a year. Um, so so just someone that's just going to constantly. Um, kind of yeah, keep up of with it. what you're doing <clears throat> and um, and and be willing to to help you with with all aspects of of your financials and your mm-hmm. just finances in general. So before we move on to um, maybe hiring a full time bookkeeper inside your business versus a remote, mm-hmm. I do want to give a little bit of a segment. You remember that uh, what was that the blue collar comedy tour <laughs> with Jeff Jeff Foxworthy? Oh yeah, yeah. And you have that like you may Peter be a, yeah you may be a redneck if yeah. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like that. Like you may have a bad cost accountant if they're not organized. They never talk to you until it's tax time. You don't like talking to them and you get frustrated with how they act. You don't know if you can trust them or their business knowledge or practices. And they don't like what they're doing. Anything else that you'd add to that? Like you may have a bad cost accountant if... If you see the IRS and the police in the office when you pull up for, a, for an appointment, and, yeah. and he or she's walking out with handcuffs behind her back, that, that's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I and, just, it, the, the communication's key. Communication's probably the biggest and one. One, one thing before we jump to how to do it, we've been talking about the benefits of having good books to make decisions. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways people, if they, like, presuming they have good financial statements now, because mm-hmm. they've got a good accountant, now what? How can I actually use financial information to make better decisions about the future? Sure. So um, there's so I mean it depends on the business. There's so many different things you can look at. But you know, from a construction, we were talking about a construction company, the big construction companies that works for the GCs. You know, if I have a set of managerial books, and I have a lot of construction companies that we will track things by job, right? So I know on this job, I know if I was if I made money or if I didn't make money on that job, mm-hmm. and I know it in black and white. And if I did make money, what did I do well right. in that mm-hmm. job? If I didn't make money, what did I not do well? Yep. Um, in, uh, say, retail, uh, you know, looking at different products that you sell. You know, you have your, mm-hmm. your revenues that you made on that product and how much did it cost you? And if you know that your gross margins are higher in certain areas, let's push that product from a marketing right. and perspective. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And, and so, but if you don't have that and you don't have those details or you just have them on a cash basis, you can't, you don't know the, the true gross margins. You don't know where yeah. you made money and where you didn't make money. I think it helps also with, you know, whether we need to get this inventory in or whether we need to sure. hire someone or not, sure. if we can really afford that. Right. Um, I think it's also just, we talked about the jobs just from a holistic point, like, what are my real margins? I know that I'm bidding at this margin, but is that really That's what the, what's happening? Is that really what's happening? Yeah. And usually those aren't yeah, necessarily they're, they're just, really, just really sharp. Put a bug in some people's ear. There, there are some specific little formulas, and they're by formula I just mean dividing one number by another that tell you how much you have to sell every month to break even at what margin. Sure. Uh, the purpose of being a contractor is not to get sales. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's not even to make a profit. It's turning it in profit into cash. But a lot of contractors can't make money at what they bid for yeah and I, I see that all the time and, and people say well I, I needed to get that job because I needed to keep the guys busy 
if I uh, if I get the job, I can find a way to keep some money, yeah. or I need to keep some cash flow. But that's not the purpose. And if you have objective information that mm -hmm. comes from margins that you were just talking about, yeah. forecasting your cash, you right. get that huge job that's 10x any other job you've done before and you have a big celebration that night, well, that's the last celebrating you're gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Because, oh my God, I did. I need $4 million just to right. fund the materials before I get started. I had one client, we're still working on it, $20 million in sales a year, and the guy had never had a set of financial statements. Yeah, and, happens. Um, we, it's been over a year, and we still don't have them all cleaned up, but we're still working on it. It takes just, when you're that large, the amount of volume that mm -hmm. you've got to get in there to and get I think that's, out. That's a really good point, because what <clears throat> I would say, the two things with that is, one, you know, we did an episode with Sergio Garcia, Mo Money, More Problems. Mm -hmm. The, the, the bigger you are, the more difficult it's going to be to get these things in order. You just said it's taken you a year and you're still not done with this $20 million company. It's also going to cost you a lot more to do that. Sure. So go and start from the beginning and make this a regular investment yeah. that you're, you know, if you're smaller, great, do it now. If you're larger, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, now. but start now because it's only going to yeah. get worse. I mean, this guy, when we started, you know, he's asking me, well, I just, I need to know, I want to, I'd like to uh, do health insurance for my employees, mm -hmm. but I don't know if I can afford it. And, and he, you know, is still, can I afford it? Can I afford it? And I'm like, right. I don't, I can't tell you. We need to know you exactly how much he has to yeah. sell yeah. or how much he I has to I can't tell you until right. I have and your record. But you can record, answer you know, that together. question when you have it. Yeah. And that's the other point that I basically wanted to make was that, you know, when people start coaching with Martin, for example, you know, they're coming to him because like, man, I need help in my business. And there's really two things that he starts with every time. One is, hey, what's your vision? Where, where are we going with this? What is the ultimate goal, the purpose of what we're doing? But the next thing is, what are your books? Yeah. And so even for people that are like, man, I just want to be better in business. I want to hire a business coach. This is something that you're going to have to do right from the beginning. And it's, it's just that important. Otherwise, you're, you don't have any facts. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's almost like if you were trying to get on a workout plan, mm -hmm. well, you're going to start by, okay, what do you weigh? And what are, you know, what are you eating right now? You're going to do an inventory assessment of everything you have and where you're at to get a baseline. Same thing for your books. Sure. There, one other thing before we move on, you and I have found a special category that wasn't officially listed as an expense um, several times uh, of where money goes that Four books allowed that to happen. Do you know what yes. I'm talking about? Are you talking about owners? No, no, not draws. Non-owners taking money out of the Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we had one client that we worked for uh, for a while, and um, it was a, a situation. Um, they had a lady that was doing their their books, uh, paying all their. And when I say doing their books, I say that very loosely. She was really just paying all their bills, making all their deposits, running their payroll. She was doing basic accounting, you know, basic bookkeeping type functions. Right. And they called us in um, because they, uh, you know, needed wanted financials. We're trying to figure out how to grow, and um, so we start. You know, we went down through, which we'll talk about in a minute, kind of the process of getting their books cleaned up. And uh, um, we were diving in, and I, I was working on reconciling one account, and it just, it just didn't feel right. 
And uh, so I started asking questions and, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions and answers and different things that went into it. But, you know, we found that this this lady, she'd been working for this company for 17 years and um, she would uh, ask to get her paycheck early because she was financially struggling. So she would get her paycheck on Tuesday and then when payroll would want to run on Friday, uh, direct deposit would put another paycheck in her account. And so she was literally uh, duplicating and because they didn't have their accounts reconciled and they didn't have things, uh, you know, these financial matters the way that they needed to be, um, they, they, didn't, they had no idea. And she was just, and there was multiple ways she, she was... She didn't even deny it, did she? Uh, she couldn't. I mean, yeah. it was just, I mean, at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, uh, she... You know, what do you say? It's in black and white. I can show you where you cashed this check went through the bank and the direct deposit that ties out to these checks that were paid. Because you went, reconciled. Went through the bank. Yeah. So you can't argue that. Well, just, if we just, in okay. passing, embezzlement is as common as dirt. Yeah. And if you don't think it can happen to you, it probably already has. Mm -hmm. uh, if your spouse, husband, or wife is keeping the books and you run, maybe not. Mm -hmm. But it's just as, sometimes it's big time stuff. Sometimes it's just meals and a tank of gas, and right. but it, uh, there's a an organization I can't slips my name, but they track that fraud. They say take five percent of sales every year. Well, the average wow. company only makes seven percent net profit of so of sales. If you sell a million, you make seventy thousand dollars, and fraud's taken five percent nationwide, yeah. and it can happen. Uh, happened to me. A lady took three hundred and forty thousand from one of the companies I worked with. And uh, she did it by paying her credit card through our ACH online. She had a credit card, same name as ours, and didn't. But we did catch her. But yeah. I didn't want to mention that in passing. It's another no, huge one. And you've got a great article that we'll link to in the show notes as well about embezzlement that tells That's that stories good. a little bit and things that you can do to kind of prevent that. Um, so going back, uh, I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, a lot of people either are doing the bookkeeping themselves, maybe their spouse, like you mentioned, is doing it, or they have an office admin doing it. What should we, should as a contractor, as a business owner, should we be looking for if we have that internal bookkeeper? What are some things that we should be setting them up with? Maybe some meetings that we should be having, some checks and balances. What do you recommend? Sure. So I have a lot of clients um, that honestly, they'll have me come in on a quarterly basis just to say, hey, does everything look okay? You know, mm. can you, does, does everything tie out? Is everything rolling the way it should be? Um, you know, a lot of people that are are doing the, the bookkeeping functions for most companies are not, they're not accountants. They're not, I mean, mm -hmm. I have two, I have, excuse me, two businesses right now and they're, honestly, both of their bookkeepers are amazing people. Um, and they um, they hired their bartenders to do their their bookkeeping. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, like... Uh, in, literally, they did that. Literally. Like, wow. I can't, make, I, I can't make this stuff. That's crazy. But, but <laughs> in both cases, what's craziest is in both cases, I mean, the people are good people, and they wanted something different in a different direction in their lives. And mm -hmm. they came in, and they both have great character, and they want to learn. They had a willingness to learn. And, and in both cases, I've, I've trained both of them. And um, kind of giving them the right direction, and then they they have me come out and just check it periodically. Um, but having just an, another set of eyes 
on your books just to say, hey, this looks okay. You know, not a full-fledged audit, but just someone that comes in and kind of um, looks over things for you. Um, you know, if, if you didn't want to do that at the, at the very least, you know, get your financials. Even most business owners, if they have someone in-house doing their books, nine times out of 10, I guarantee you, they're not looking at any of it. They just assume they're, they're making the deposits, they're paying their bills, they're running their payroll, everything looks fine. But if you have just a little bit of knowledge about financial statements and the information you can glean from a financial statement, as a business owner, it's incredible. As a business owner, you're like, eh, that doesn't, something's not right. Something's not right about that. Because again, it's that whole what you have in your mind and what mm -hmm. you have in your head. And so sometimes, I mean, I've seen business owners that can just look at it and say something's not jiving with those numbers. We need, yeah. uh, you know. And so, but having that other set of eyes on those yeah. financials to make sure that it looks correct, to make sure that what they're doing mm -hmm. is correct. And then also, you know, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, like, you have to be able to prove every number on that balance sheet. Yeah. And, and if you can't do that, then something is not correct. So I, I just have all you have to and be looking proving you them. mean like reconcile with the bank, reconcile with the credit card company, so reconcile accounts. Your balance sheet, you should be able to support every number on your balance sheet with some sort Outside of kind of detail. Um, bank statements, credit card statements, loan uh, details. Yeah. Um, for AR and AP, you've got your aging. So who who a de a list of these people owe you, and this is how much they owe you. AR accounts receivable people who haven't paid you. Yes. Sorry. Just, no, you're fine. I'm, <laughs> I, I live I, in I this world. If you haven't noticed, I mean, I, I know I know everything you're talking about, but I try to take the perspective sure. here of like. I have no idea what we're talking about. What does that mean? Sure. So just because I think it yeah. is helpful. So uh, so accounts receivable would yeah. be who owes you. Yeah. So a detailed listing of who owes you. And it's incredible to me, but most business owners can tell you exactly who owes them. Yeah. And a lot of times in minute details of what they owe them. Right. Um, and then your accounts payable is who you owe. So mm -hmm. what bills you currently to have. To suppliers and stuff, not yes. banks. Or yeah. To suppliers. Yep. And that's manageable in your head when you are a one-man shop. Right. But even though it is manageable, if you're a one-man shop, set this stuff up now. Yeah. As you grow, it becomes less and less manageable. We talked to Sergio, and he was like, he was waiting on people to call him like, hey, man, I owe you money. Yeah. <laughs> because he did. And yeah, he had you no say idea. most people know, um, and respectfully, I have a different experience. <laughs> I kind of think most people don't know. They think they do. Mm -hmm. But oh oh oh, I forgot about. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. They know a lot of it. it they know. They yeah, know a, a lot of idea. it. But you know, the whole purpose of accounting is we're that detail. Mm -hmm. You know, having the the detail and the completeness yeah. of all of it and get it out of your head. Yes, yeah. and, so and you're free to think about. Yes. Things. So it's sure. it sounds like if we do have that internal bookkeeper that is a full time bookkeeper in our office or is you know someone that's doing multiple roles and office manager but also doing the bookkeeping, it sounds like a lot of those signs that we talked about for a good accountant and a bad accountant really apply. One, do you really trust them? Do you sure. trust their detail, their attention to detail, their organization? Two, how often are you talking to them about the books? Don't just assume they have it. Maybe even daily or weekly. Hey, show me what you did this week in the books. And even with the trust, I just want to put a caveat to that just because of the embezzlement we right. just talked about. But even with the trust, 
you have to have a little bit of skepticism mm. as a business owner. I mean, this this lady that we were talking about a while ago that embezzled all this money from this company, I mean, this lady was like a sister to mm. this business owner. She'd been there 17 years. He thought of her as part of his family. So, you know, when you think of someone like that, you have this crazy amount of trust. Yeah. But yeah. you have to have a healthy amount of skepticism right. Trust but verify the old Yes, yeah. But in that case you're talking about with the sister, I asked if that man were going to prosecute, and he said, no, she's been a loyal employee all these years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, but even if you... have different definitions. This kind of goes back to our episode with Eric Daffron, but even if you... Even if he did pursue legal action, it might be difficult if there weren't contracts in place as far as, hey, this is what we pay you every year. Mm -hmm. Because if that's not clear, well... Right. They can and they argue. let it stand for all those years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, okay, well, there's there's also an alternative to having that internal bookkeeper that is potentially another good option and a service that Zeal provides and other, other companies provide, but is external bookkeeping. And some people already sure. have this set up. Sure. Um, what are some, tell us what that is, what that looks like, kind of that process. Yeah, so I have clients, I mean, I, I do the whole, I mean, like I said, I don't do taxes, I don't do audits, I don't, I mean, I am specifically managerial accounting. So I have one client particularly, and literally their P.O. box that they use for their business is my P.O. box. So mm. all of their mail comes to us, we do all of their deposits, we uh, pay all of their bills, Yeah. we keep all of their accounts reconciled anytime they need a financial for anything, you know, any kind of detail or anything like that, we run that for them. Who yeah. does it? Do you do the invoicing? This particular client doesn't, it's oh, okay. it's an oil and gas, so they don't have the invoicing like a, like okay. a construction company would. Um, so it just depends on the client and their needs. Um, I have other clients that have, you know, that in-house person or that have, um, and, and we do tons of training. I mean, I would say half of the business mm. is clean up quarter of the business is training and a quarter of the business is the day-to-day bookkeeping is kind of our our business model um but we do tons of you know somebody has someone in the in the office that's doing it but they're not doing it quite right and we have to go and and do some training and, and write some processes for them um and talk through how to do these things in the correct way yeah. Um, so I, I mean, we have the the full gamut, and it just depends on you know every every company is a little bit different, um, and has a little bit more detail, and 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 you know administratively can be different in in, in every industry, and so uh, everyone's needs is different. I talked to an attorney yesterday that we're going to start helping, and and it, bless his heart, you can tell. I mean, just in the phone conversation, he's overwhelmed. He's completely overwhelmed. He's got all these administrative functions that mm-hmm. he's trying to do, and he can't do get any of them done because he's being a lawyer, mm-hmm. you know. And and he just talked to me about, you know, his he gets invoices and they lay on his desk, and before he knows it, he's late on these invoices. And so we talked about, you know, hey, all you have to do is just take a picture of it and send it to us, and we'll get it paid for you. All you have to do is, you yeah. know, and so make that to where it's done in 15 seconds processes. and so that you have the the proper processes and, and you can get those things done as timely as possible and that's not something weighing on your plate of overflowing things to do mm-hmm. you know within your business so 
for a lot of people, that's a, a really great option as well. Yeah. And it, it's something where you're able to know like an expert's going to take care of it rather than, hey, I'm going to just bring on this person who I have no idea it, what their credentials are and they're right. going to do it. Um, well, and a lot it's of almost times, like you're also just buying your processes. You sure. don't have to go and make those yourself. You're buying sure. the processes, which well, is super helpful. And a lot of times, you know, uh, someone doesn't need a full-time person doing that. Right. You know, it wouldn't be feasible to hire a full-time person doing it. Um, so it makes more sense to just hire someone like us that can just work on it a few hours, you know, a few hours a week. A few hours a month, yeah. and can can keep them caught up and going until they grow to a point where you know it does make sense to yeah. to hire someone in house. Well, what I want to talk about now is like what that process looks like for you. What you guys do when you come into a business that let's just say I think you mentioned someone two thousand eighteen yeah. um, that you know they they come to you today, mm-hmm. but they want to go back to two thousand eighteen to clean everything up. Sure. And they have never really done bookkeeping besides what their maybe their tax accountant was doing. Sure. And you've got to go in from you know start to finish mm-hmm. to get to, to where they're on a recurring basis doing it the right way. Yep. Kind of walk us through that process, and then if you don't mind, you know, give us you know let's say it's like a four million dollar contractor mm-hmm. that we're working with. Uh-huh. Give us a rough range on what it would actually cost to maybe do that, and it doesn't have to be you know you can say it would start at this, but it could really go. All the way up to this just sure. to do the cleanup and all that stuff so yeah sure I mean it depends on the detail of the organization and kind of the structure of the organization from a cost perspective sure um, but starting out I mean the first thing you do is is you know I go back to cash and just getting cash in into the accounting system and all of the details so every single transaction in cash um, mm-hmm. get it uh, into the system and reconciled appropriately right um, and that, you know, this the client I was talking about that we went back to 2018, and I've seen there's a lot of clients I've gotten into, and they, um, the the when you go in and you look at their books, they've entered bills, mm. and they they enter their bills and they cut their checks out of QuickBooks, Separately. and that's it, that's <laughs> it, that's all they have in QuickBooks. So they've never made a deposit into QuickBooks. They've never, and half of the bills that they've paid have been electronic, or they paid them with a debit card, or. And they didn't put any of that into QuickBooks. And so um, this the, the one that we started back in 2018, I mean, that was the case with them. They had put all the bills into QuickBooks, and they had actually, they were handwriting their checks. So they would put the bill in, and they would mark it paid in QuickBooks, and then they would handwrite all of the checks. Oh, gosh. And so um, anyway, oh, and so many times it's just simple fixes. Um, I mean, I remember going in there, and the first thing I said to them is, do you realize how much time you're wasting handwriting you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of checks. And um, buy a printer, buy check stock. QuickBooks will do that for you and that the time savings that you will gain. Not just the time savings, but the errors. Oh, all of it. Yeah. So just in little things. And forget to cancel out the bill and it shows you still owe money and you already paid it. And and I'm a huge, um, anybody that works with me will tell you, I'm a huge advocate of technology and just utilizing technology um, in your favor, you know, the, the time savings you can get from utilizing technology is incredible. And yeah. so many people are, don't know the technology or, or get frustrated by the technology, so they kind of just give up. Anyway, um, so we went in there and got all of the um, cash transactions in there, got their cash reconciled. Um, the next thing was a big thing for them um, was payroll and making sure that all their payroll, you know, when you, when you enter payroll for books, 
Um, one thing that gets overlooked a lot is the separation between office personnel versus people that are doing your jobs. And it makes a huge difference when you're managing your business. It distorts your margins. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have the labor in the right spot, then you're not going to have correct margins on your jobs, right? Um, so that was a huge part. So the cash, the payroll, the other thing that you see, I see constantly is... Um, People will, maybe they're putting all of their cash transactions in there and they're keeping their bank account reconciled, but they didn't put any credit card transactions in there. Well, credit card transactions are expenses, just like a check that you would write out of your bank account. Yeah. And people miss that. So anyway, getting started, we had to get, you know, all of their bank statements, all of their credit card statements. Um, we had to get their payroll details, uh, you know, back to 2018 and, and pull those records and, and separate out, you know, and figure out how to you know, how can we get everything entered so that we're entering it appropriately? Um, and, you know, I've been working with them since this particular company. They're, they're probably an $8 million company. And this one, um, uh, this lady that the owner and his wife, his wife works in the office and then the owner, you know, runs all of the, the construction side of things. And uh, um, his wife was a former school teacher and she is on it. She hired a bunch of teachers during the summer to come in and work part time to do data entry because I mean they didn't have anything to get, caught up. to get it caught up. And she hired them to come in and do the data entry to get things entered, and then she hired me to come in and reconcile. So they do the data entry, and then I'd come in and reconcile and make sure everything looked okay. And um, I've been working with them since February, and I think hopefully by the end of the year. We'll have everything caught up. And this is November. Yeah. So just yeah. To, for a contractor to realize this $8 million company, we're yeah. talking a year. 10 months, almost well, a year. And I would have to look at exactly how much they've paid me so far. But um, I would venture to say just off the cuff, I'd have to verify. Sure. And it can be a range. Probably between twenty and 30000 Yeah. Um, but on they're an $8 million on an $8 million company. company. It's a yeah. big company. And, yeah. you know, that doesn't count what she had to pay the people that did the data entry so it's it's very costly but how many years have they been in business and they haven't done anything and just to give perspective had they from the day they started their business started paying you a monthly fee to manage their books or right. just to do the reconcile or whatever like what would or what's a range that they'd probably be paying it's it's what well, i i would tell people you're either going to pay it as you go and it's going to be cheaper as you go, or you're going to pay it in a lump sum, and it's going to hurt like hell. Mm, I gotcha. mean, that's what it boils down to. So you're to. still looking at the same cost, but spread over two years, yeah. three years? I mean, if you if you look at, you know, when you start, you're going to have that learning curve, yeah. right? But if you go and go and go, and then you dive in with both feet, mm -hmm. you you... You still have that learning curve. It's just mm -hmm. that you're having to learn it through a water hose instead of learn it slowly as your company's growing. Here's a. Mark, do the math real quick. Because, Martin did math again. Hold on, well, guys. Check your numbers. You, you might pull books. out your calculator. This is how you use books. You might pull out your calculator. If, double check these numbers. Yes, by having good books, they could improve their margins by one fourth of one percent of sales right. on an eight million dollar company. That would return them eighty thousand yeah. dollars, and you said it cost them thirty. So yeah. almost three x their money, and we don't have. That's not the point of today. But I, will, we can show you how having information a quarter of a percent yeah. better because you have correct information. If we can't do that in the next fifteen minutes, then then we're not. 
worthy of the name. Well, and, so and, you, you get it back in space. It's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. A quarter of a percent will pay that back three times. Well, I think also just thinking about, let's say that it's at the high end of 30000 Sure. Yeah. Uh, even 36000 let's just say that. Well, if you're a $100 million company, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's it's all relative number. Right, but if you're doing that over over you know two years, then you're paying a lot less than that lump sum. You know, sure. you're you know you're getting what fifteen hundred dollars a month is what you're looking at. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna do it rather than man, we gotta um, do all this stuff at one time. Yeah. But if I think it's even three years is what you're actually doing it over if we yeah. think about it, mm-hmm. and so even less than you're like a thousand a month. Well, in, in, re, in reality, you know, as an accountant, when I come in, like one of the first things we have to establish is where do you want me to start, right? Mm. So this com- company, you know, they were going prior to 2018. Yeah. So they had a business, but we just didn't start their books till 2018. Yeah. And, um, and it just, I have a, another client that just started a company. Um, and it's incredible. I love talking to him because he's so excited about his company. And what's awesome is... He called me, he actually called Martin first, and he said, what do I need to do to be successful? And Martin said, get a bookkeeper. And so he called me, and I've been helping him, and um, he he calls me once every couple weeks, and we get on the phone for an hour, and we work through troubles he's had, and he is saving himself so much headache. And he... He looks at his numbers and he gets excited about, you know, I'm making money. And hey, it's the score. Yeah. You, you have to know what the, how the score is kept, what the score is, and if you don't like it, what to do about it. Yeah. It literally, you imagine a basketball game where there were no score. Yeah. I mean, you have to know, am I doing it? Right. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Um, so what I'd like to talk about now um, is just kind of moving into a system that we use and that you use and that you help a lot of people use called Profit First. Yeah. And it's from a book uh, that we'll link in the show notes as well by Mike Michalowicz. Mm-hmm. And, um, named Profit First. Named, yeah. the, book, the name of the book is Profit First. And it's a really great system. And I think you've also taken it to, I would say, an extra level. But um, yeah, tell us about that and, and why you like it, why you use it, why you recommend it. Sure. Well, I think Martin would agree with this. One of the, the major problems that you see with business owners is I don't have enough cash. I can't do what I need to do because I don't have enough cash. And um, and as a business owner, it's so hard to manage. You know you know that you can't spend everything that you make, but then you have this, oh, I, I just made a whole lot of money. What can I go buy kind of struggle. And um, so what Profit First is, is I, I always refer to it as the um, Dave Ramsey envelope system for businesses is kind of how I refer to it. And it just helps you as a business um, budget your finances, budget your cash so that you know, um, you know, and I started using it at the beginning of this year and it's been incredible for my business. Um, It just helps you know, you know, I need to put X percentage back for taxes. And you leave it in that account and you don't touch it. In a separate account. Yeah. And so Profit First, basically what it, and when I say it's the envelope system, that Dave Ramsey's personal envelope system, it's the the envelope system for for business. But um, you open separate bank accounts for, I mean, the main ones that he teaches are income, operating expenses, owner's compensation, taxes, and profit. And what it does and, and what he teaches in his book is, Basically, he's saying, 
uh, you know, people go into business so they can become profitable and so that you can make money. If you're not in, if you're not in business to make money, you're not in business. So what he's saying is, as a business owner, how many business owners um, don't pay themselves because they can't afford to pay themselves? And he talks about that a lot in his book. And he talks about you know managing the money so that you pay yourself first and and that your company is you know you have to stay within a range of, uh, you know, you only have X amount in operating expenses to spend and you have to stay in that range. Um, he he uh, encourages business owners to pay themselves and to bonus themselves. The profit account, the purpose of the profit account is so that you're putting a little bit of money back. And you pay, out, pay down debt out of profit account, Yeah, right? you yeah. pay down debt so. and you pay yourself a bonus. And even when you pay down debt, he's like, give yourself a little bonus for saying, you know, hey, you did a good job and you deserve a reward for that. And um, so anyway, it's just a really great system. Um, it, it takes, it definitely takes some um, self-discipline uh, to stick with it, but, um, but it allows business owners to know how to budget um, their, their money and to know how to, um, to track, are they making money? Are they paying themselves? Are, you know, uh, am I spending too much in operating expenses? Do I need to cut back a little bit here? Can I afford to do that and operate? You know, I have a little bit of cushion in operating expenses right now, so maybe I can yeah. afford a little bit more. So, it's just a great um, system, and I've like I said, I've implemented it in my business. And Cleo, I think you well, we use it here. I probably got seven or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like to point out it doesn't supplant the need for good books right. because it does not help you make uh, managerial decisions uh, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Should I buy this? Should I hire that? How should I yeah. set my prices? How should I bid it? But it does discipline you with a kind of a binary decision. Is the cash in that account or not? Yeah. If it's not, I don't buy it. Right. If it is, then I can buy it. Right. And it he, gives you a digital yes or no. Right. He is very cash, cash driven. He's extremely cash driven in everything that he does. And, um, and, 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 you know, as a CPA, obviously, I would never tell someone they don't need financial statements, which he does say in the book, and I completely disagree with that point. Oh, he does? I thought he kind of yeah, said he it no, he bas- no, he basically yeah. just um, tells people. And, and the reason he says it is because financial statements can be confusing, right. right? I mean, that's why you have good people that can help you understand them. Um, but what he talks about is is that, you know, if you manage your, your business by the cash you have in the bank, it's just it's a budgeting tool. That's how mm-hmm. I look at it. It's 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 not it's not going to help your business. You know, there's there's other ways that financial statements absolutely can help your business. But this is a great tool to use uh, for budgeting and to help help you kind of steer in the right direction. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really um, excited about this uh, system and Profit First. But even just this episode, it's really rare that we get to do an interview with someone. And we've got a really good resource for them. Um, so you've put together this excellent spreadsheet that really makes it super, super simple for a business owner. It's something that's going to be linked in the show notes that you can get if you're listening. But um, basically, it's called the Profit First Analysis. And what it, you're going to find in there uh, are a few things, steps to use it. But you're also going to find target um, percentages of what you should do. So if you're a company that's making you know up to 250 or maybe up to 500,000, all the way up to, hey, I'm in between 10 and 50 million, it's gonna give you some percentages that's gonna allow you to then see exactly how much you should be putting into what area on a target basis. Right. 
and he talks about the what it's called taps in his books book uh, target allocation percentages mm-hmm. and um the the sheet that i have in this spreadsheet came from a a extra it's a he gives a link in his book that talks about other uh other uh documents that he has online that he that people right. that read the book can download and that's where i got that but basically what he's done is he's said okay based on your sales here's typically in business where you will see you know how the best way is to allocate your monies mm-hmm. and um it, it's very intuitive yep, um absolutely and so anyway so what you have on here is you have your you have caps is what you called it so current allocation percentages mm-hmm. which is specific to your business right mm-hmm. so basically i'm just going to show you what i do for my business is basically with this spreadsheet i just go in i have five different accounts i've got an income account that all of my income whenever someone pays me goes into that account i've got a profit account an owner's pay account a tax account, and then an operating expenses account, which is really just my, my what what was my original checking account that I was paying everything through. So I've got those five different accounts at the same bank that I can just transfer online. I just go in here, and I see this green line that says the tenth and the twenty fifth of each month. On the tenth, I just go in and I put what my income was for the uh, on the tenth, like what was in that income account, right? I put that in. And then it just calculates all the money that I need to transfer into each account from there. Yeah. And I just go into the banking and I just transfer from income into profit, from income into owner's pay, from income into tax, from yeah. income into operating expenses, and then it's done. Yeah. And I can see exactly how much I've profited, exactly how much I need to pay myself, or I can pay myself, should I choose to, and then uh, how much tax, I, how much I've set aside for taxes, and then what I can spend as a business I just think it's a really simple, great system that a business owner can use for profit first, but just for keeping cash. Well, and the target allocation percentages, you know, he sets that up as this is what your target should be. So what he tells you to do is, you know, typically most businesses, the target allocation percentages, they're probably when they first start are not there. They're not at a point where they can just totally change their business. Right. They're not at a point where they can totally change their business around. So you start with where you currently are. And then you have it as a goal to um, work towards those target allocation percentages. And slowly, you just do it one percentage point at a time. It's really easy. And um, and it just helps you kind of be able to pivot just a little slowly over time so that you can get within those target allocation percentages and, and be able to allocate more to the profit account and the owner's comp mm-hmm. account and be able to, you know, as a business owner, to, to pay yourself for all of the work you're putting into your business, so. Excellent. Well, I think that's a great system. Um, I, the only other things that I have, Martin, I'm sure you may have a couple more questions, but I just wanna talk about like what to look for on a balance, on not a balance sheet, on a financial statement. Some just, I don't understand books. I don't know, you know, what financial statements I need to be looking at. Mm-hmm. What numbers do you recommend that I just kind of keep track of and try to look for and ask my accountant about? Sure. Um, so obviously everyone, you know, every owner wants to know, did I make money? Did I make money? I mean, that's the first, when they think of a financial statement or anything accounting wise, did I make money or did I not make money? And um, in a lot of owners, you know, like the one I talked about that I met with yesterday, well, my income statement's good, but my balance sheet's a mess. Well, you can't have a solid income statement if your balance sheet is mm-hmm. a mess. And so um, just knowing that, you know, hey, 
I am getting my cash account reconciled. When I look at the detail of the people that owe me, yes, those people all do still. It's correct. It's they do still owe me. When I look at who I owe, oh crap, yep, yep, I owe those people. Or no, these three people that are listed here, I don't know them anymore, so they shouldn't be on here. So it's just a lot of it is is just basic data behind what's in those financial statements. And if if you can can get comfortable with those numbers on that balance sheet, then you can know, okay, well, what I have in my profit and loss statement is truly, you know, I did make money in total. Um, And then, you know, you just, as a business owner, you get more granular um, on on specific jobs. Uh, Did I make money on that job? And if I didn't, you know, were there things that went wrong? Did I bid it wrong? You know, what was I using to bid it? Did I come in close to how I was going to bid it? And if I didn't, can I explain why I didn't? Or do I need to go adjust how I bid? So, uh, you know, every business is different as far as their um, key, what is it? Key performance, KPIs, key performance indicators, kind of what's important to them. But um, just that underlying knowing my bank account's reconciled, um, my, my receivable detail is those are the people that owe me my accounts payable. Those are the people that I owe. My loans are listed on here. Uh, In the true, you know, loans are another place where people mess up a lot. Um, Just being able to tell, you know, how, you know, what the bank says that I owe is truly what I have in my books that I owe. So. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. You got anything else? Um, Got lots. But <laughs> what, just on that last question, what I'd like people to take, take away is um, there are five questions that books have had to answer since they came out 800 years ago. It's what you said is, am I making money? What do I own? What do I owe? What's left over for me? And then where did my cash go? And like in my book and what we're talking about, the managerial, is there's a sixth question. And it's what should I do? Hmm. And books... We haven't spent that much time talking about it, but there's specific things you can do uh, by knowing your margins, for example. Sure. Uh, that will tell you what you have to do if you right. want to hit a target sure. profit. Sure. And you may not want to do those things, but it is really beneficial to realize that if I price it at that, there's no chance that I can be profitable. Right. Therefore, I have to price it at this. But boy, I don't want to. Well, I'm going to have to do it or die. Well, I'm going to do it. And then you find out, oh, right. that was... They bought it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so. a just this is marketing related, but it applies to really any kind of data like books. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's it's not just enough to have data, but you've got to actually turn that data into knowledge. Meaning, here's the numbers. Here's what those numbers actually mean. And then once you have that, or that actually sorry, that's the information. Mm-hmm. Once you have that information of what the data means. What does that mean for our business specifically? What do we actually do with that? Right. And then from there, you've got to turn into wisdom, which is actually making the right decisions, right? Sure. So data, inf- data turning it into information, turning it into knowledge, then going into wisdom is a really good thing for anything, whether it's books, whether it's marketing analytics, whatever it is. That's what I highly recommend. So, well, Lori, what um, I know there's a lot of contractors listening. They're like, man, she's sharp. I need to get her in my business. Hey, well, real quickly, we, we got away from it. When you started your business, it was just you. Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. Then what happened? <laughs> because so, they we're literally what these contractors might be thinking. 
Yeah. So basically I started, and like I said, I started in 2017 and I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to do this, what it's going to look like. And it's just you. And it's just me. And, um, uh, in 20, well, I, I started using a contractor about, it was less than a year. I started using contractors and the problem, like subcontractors where other contracted the accounting. Yeah. Yeah. So other accountants that would help me just to, you know, I couldn't keep it. It grew very fast. I couldn't keep up with it all. So I started using subcontractors and the problem with subcontractors is, um, a, you know, I can't control, uh, when they work or, you know, I mean, I can pay them for, for their hours, but like a lot of times they don't have time to, to devote all of the, their time to me. And so, um, really it was at the end of 2019, I hired my first full-time employee and I hired her. I'd used some subcontractors for uh, data entry and things like that. And I was still using them at the time, but I got to the point where I couldn't keep up with it all. I, I couldn't do it all. And so I had to hire someone that could do close to what I could do. And you didn't hire the cheap one to so save on money. You made a decision. I, no, I tell people, I knew when I went to hire someone that um, I needed to hire someone that was like me. Right? That mm-hmm. was my goal. And yeah. that sounds crazy, but <laughs> I, I wanted to hire someone that could do what... You hired with intent. Right. And so I just thought to myself, if I was going to hire someone, if I was going to go find a job, what would I do? And in accounting, we have a lot of, and I'm in other fields have the same thing, a lot of recruiters. And it's ex- freaking expensive to hire a recruiter mm-hmm. um, to, to use for hiring for your business. But I just decided that if I wanted someone like me, I would go to a recruiter if I was looking for a job. So I, because I don't have time to go on all of these search engines and look at open jobs and I don't have time to do all that. So I just called the recruiter and said, hey, this is what I'm looking for. And in the meantime, I read um, Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership. There's a chapter in there that's amazing about hiring and how Dave Ramsey hires his employees. Mm. And um, I literally sat down one day and listened to that chapter and took extensive notes as to how he hired people because I didn't. As my first employee, it's scary. I mean, Absolutely. I was a, a new business and it was super scary. And I wanted to make sure if I was going to pay this person, you know, that I was going to hire for the right reasons and make sure I had a good, solid candidate. And um, so I took what he did and I kind of contrived my own method. I did a, he calls them a 30 minute drive by interview. So my first interview was a 30 minute drive by. My second interview, I invited uh, two other CPAs and another accounting friend that I had and they came to lunch with all of us. And um, so we all went to lunch. So I got my accounting, other people's, other, you know, similar field uh, uh, about, you know, the, the candidate, see what they thought about them. And they interviewed, I think, three different candidates for me. And then the last step, and it was... Curious, did you pay them to no, do that? Did, I did you buy their lunch? lunch? I bought them lunch. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Just making sure. These were my friends. And so they, they want... Sure, sure. And they want me want to see me be successful. And, and let's be real, we had a, a good lunch just because it's my girlfriends that I love. <laughs> but, um, and then it was interesting through that process how the candidates weeded themselves out. Like I didn't even have to really... Self-deselection. It really yeah. did um, because I went through the process. And then the last step in the process, I took... Um, my candidate and her husband to dinner with me and my husband because I wanted to get my husband's. And all of this is based on that, you know, how Dave Ramsey, and and it's not exactly how he does it, but it's similar to how he does it. And um, anyway, I got Vicki that works for me now, and she's awesome. And 
and you've since done that twice more. Yeah. All very nerve-wracking because, oh, no, what if I, I'm not yeah. making fun of you. It's no. What if, what if I don't get all this business now? I've got, because these are expensive people. Yeah. Oklahoma wages there are very expensive. And so compliment you on that. But back to what Khalil was saying, you got to get started. You're going to have to pony up some money. You might have to buy this bookkeeper, but you don't go cheap and, and you do it. It's an abundance yeah. mentality. Absolutely. Yeah. So contractors are listening. They, they want to um, talk to you probably. <laughs> what, how can they reach you? You know, I think you've explained your process very thoroughly. And I think anybody um, who is in the market for a bookkeeper and not just a bookkeeper, but a cost accountant, uh, to manage their financials should definitely talk to you. How can they get in touch with you? So, I mean, uh, Zeal Accounting Solutions. Z-E-A-L. Z-E-A-L. And um, we are on the, uh, we have a webpage. It's yep. uh, zeal, zealaccounting.com. Mm-hmm. And all my contact information is there. And then I'm sure you're going to put my contact We'll put you in the notes, in yeah. In the show notes as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, text, call, email. Yeah. Tell tell Martin you need somebody and he sends you my way. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> so, it, it does. Do they? They don't need to be in Oklahoma, right? Oh no, I have clients. The uh, twenty million dollar uh, client that I have, he actually lives in New York. His accounting department is based in Oklahoma. I have another client in Memphis. Yeah. Um, so I have clients all, all over. over. Yeah, and you've yeah you've worked with people yeah mm-hmm. all over the place. So don't it's it's remote. Doesn't have to be um, sure. in Oklahoma. So yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on and yeah. we're, we're really excited Thanks to get me. this info out there and I know it's going to be super helpful for contractors to find you know less stress more time and more money so yes, not for possible sure. with that not possible with that so thanks Lori we'll uh, we'll see you around okay sounds thanks, great Lori. thanks guys thanks for listening to the cash flow contractor check out our website in the show notes or visit the cashflowcontractor.com